Okay. Can I, can I ask you guys just at the end? I want you guys to prepare yourselves as well. We're going to sing that song, the second song that we, that we sang. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All right, so just let you guys know at the end, I'm going to ask you to come up. Um, just think it's relevant for, for this morning. How wonderful was that to worship the King this morning? All right, I've. Well, Jackie, I'm all warm now from the worship, so I don't know. I hope you guys are warm too. All right. Okay, Father, I pray for all of us here this morning, Lord, that as I'm about to share, Lord, that you will come and do the necessary work in our hearts, in our minds, and whatever we are going through, Lord, wherever we are at the moment, Lord, that you will come and meet us where we're at. Because Jesus, that's what you do. You meet us where we're at. And then you show us the way forward. You give us direction. And you are with us every single step of the way. And we thank you for that. In your precious name. Amen. All right. Okay, so if I had to, and I know this question has been asked before, if I had to ask you last year, February, where are you coming from and where are you going to? I'm sure a lot of you say, yeah, okay, this is where I'm coming from and uh, this is where I want to go. This is the goals that I've got. This is what I want to do. And I'm sure a lot of you had goals last year before COVID did. And uh, I remember we were in the eldest camp and it was clearly, God clearly said that things are going to be so different to what we used to. That was in January. And then March came. And so everything changed, right? Is there anybody here that has not been affected by what, what has happened in the world? Is there anybody here? Things have changed. And so you would know where you were, maybe you knew, you've got, you had an idea where you were going. But sometimes where we are going is not what we expect. Sometimes where we are going and where we are heading to is not where we want to go. And even sometimes where we are called, when we are called to go back to a place where we never want to be again. And so if you can put that scripture up for me, Genesis 16 verses 8. And uh, I'm just going to read the verse quickly and then I'll go into the, into the text. It says, And he said, this is the angel of the Lord, Hagar, was at, was at a well in the desert. And he said to Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? And she says, I'm running away from my mistress, from my mistress Sarai, she answered. But he asked her, where are, you, where are you coming from and where are you going? And just to give you a bit of background to this, as I said, you know, you guys will know I'm in, I'm in Genesis at the moment. But God, in chapter 12, that I read this morning for, for the stewardship, God told Abraham that he must pack all his things up and he must go, and God will show him where he must go. But he must pack everything up. And when he does that, 
He will bless Abraham. And he's going to bless an entire nation through him. And what did Abraham do? He got up and he started walking. And he, and he went. And again in chapter 15, God confirms to Abraham that he's going to bless him and he's going to make him a great nation, a great nation out of him. And he's going to bless people through him. So God tells that to him. Just with us, uh, I said to Angelica, I wonder what I should do for stewardship. I told her, she said, no, so use your text. In your text, there will be something for stewardship. And then I used that this morning for stewardship. So thank you, Angelique. Trust you guys were encouraged with that. So God tells him. And then the problem was that in chapter 12, who knew how old Abraham was? He was 75 years old. Okay? So God said he's going to bless him. He's going to, uh, there's going to be a great nation that's going to come from him. And then in chapter 16, Abraham was 85 years old. And they still had no children. And, uh, and so Sarai heard this promise that God has made to Abraham. And she thought, listen, we're in our 80s. There's a problem here. And so then Sarai decided she's going to make a plan. God has made a promise, but now she's getting impatient and she's going to make a plan. And in the beginning of chapter 16, she tells to Abram, Abram, listen, I've got a plan. My slave girl Sarai, you're going to take her as your wife and she's going to bore us a son. And through that, God's blessing will be fulfilled. His promise will be fulfilled. Okay, so... Is there anybody here that sees a problem with that suggestion? Is there anybody here that... Do you think that was a good plan? What can possibly go wrong with this plan? But what happens is it actually works. This plan works. Hagar becomes pregnant with Abraham's child, and everything's going great so far. This was Sarah's plan. And... uh, when she became pregnant, Sarah, she saw this, and she, she saw that a plan was, has worked. But then what happened? She became envious of Hagar, and Hagar started lording it over. She said, listen, I'm pregnant. I'm the one that the promise is being fulfilled to. What did that cause? It caused pain. It caused heartache. And then what, Hagar, what Sarah did is she told Hagar, listen, she told Abraham, listen, Hagar's got to, she's got to go. And it caused a problem between them. And she told her to, she started mistreating her. And it got so bad that Hagar decided to, to leave, to go into the desert. Now, I don't know about you, but if that was me, and I'm, I know I'm a man and I can't get pregnant, but for the ladies maybe, if you were pregnant and... If you were in the situation, how bad must, thing, must things have been for you to actually make the decision that I'm, I'm actually I'm, I'm running away from this. I'm going to go. This is not working for me. And Sarah is now invested in through this plan to force God's hand into a blessing. And what actually happened is it caused a cursing. There was the strife between them. And so Hagar flees the abuse. She, flee, she flees the bad situation um, that was happening. That was caught by bad decisions. And, uh, and she stops by a spring. And the angel of the Lord appears to her. 
And he says to her, Hagar, slave of Sarah, where are you coming from? And where are you going to? And she doesn't say where she's going to, but maybe she was sold as a slave in Egypt. Maybe she was on her way back there. Do you think it's a good place to go back to? No. So, so Sarah's plan was to force God's hand to make him bring about the blessing that he already promised. Hagar's plan was just to get out of there. She just wanted to get out of the situation. And when the angel of the Lord said, where are you coming from? She told him, but I'm fleeing my mistress. I'm fleeing the abuse. But she couldn't tell him where she was going. And then the angel of the Lord told her, go back and submit. Okay, who's a little bit offended by that? I'm a little bit offended by that. He tells her, go back and submit. Aren't you surprised by the answer or what he tells her to do? What would you have told Hagar to do? I mean, if you were, if you were there, you were the angel, what, what would you have told her to do? I would have told her, man, listen, I'm going to go back and speak to Sarah. I'm going to tell her that this mistreatment thing must stop. Um, or I was going to tell her, listen, if the situation was so bad, just here's the quickest meal I can find you. Just carry on. Don't go back to the situation. That's what I would have told her. So that's why I'm, I'm a bit surprised by, by the suggestion. And, uh, but she does what the angel of the Lord tells her to do. Because when God speaks to us and he gives us the plan, he, desti- he defines the steps for us for a reason. Has that happened to you? Has God spoken to you? Has he told you to do something that you don't want to do? And then when you did it, things actually worked out better than what you would have done on your own. So he tells her to go back, but he also gives her a promise. And he says to her, go back, and this is what I will do. I'm going to make nations out of the son that you are carrying. And you are going to name him Ishmael. Because it means God hears. So God says, I'm going to make nations out of him. I'm going to lift him up to a place where his hand is against the people that is around him. And the people that are around him, their hands are going to be against him. And they're actually going to be competitive with each other. And then he's going to settle around his relatives. Again, not what I would expect God to say. Sister, you're you're going to go back. You're going to have a son. He's going to be a handful. He's going to be difficult. That's not what I would expect God to say. But what does she hear? She hears, I'm going to have a son. He's going to be successful. He's going to be on an equal footing. He's not going to be a slave. And he's going to settle amongst his relatives. He's going to be equal. So what she hears is a promise for her and her future and the future of her family. And she sees that in that situation. So God's plan puts her back in a bad situation, but it comes with promises. Again, it's definitely not what I would have planned, but we've experienced that God's plan is always better than our plans, even if it calls us to go back into something that we don't want to. So Sarah's plan is, how can I get this blessing out of God? What work can I do? What plans can I make? What scheme can I make? 
to get this blessing that God has promised. So if you've gotten a word from God and you've thought, yes, I wonder how this is going to play out. Like, I wonder, and then maybe you've tried to do things to make this thing work out. So that was a plan. How am I going to get this blessing out of God? Hagar didn't really have a plan. She just knows that she had to get out of here. The only difference with Hagar as she left and with Hagar that when she returned is that she encountered God and God made her a promise and he fulfilled that promise. That is why she could have gone back. And she named the son Ishmael. Alroy, which means God sees me, God hears me, and because of that, she could have gone back. I, I've counseled some people, um, I've given some people advice, which I felt was the right thing to do from God, and uh, there's this one person that he just couldn't work for a boss. He, he just... He, he, he will go and he will work for a, for a, for a boss and then he just, his, his character just didn't sit well. He couldn't, the boss was always wrong and the boss was this and the boss was that. And as an employee, I could give him just from a different perspective. And, uh, and for years, he just, he just drifted from one place to another. He just um, went away, came back, and then eventually he decided to follow my advice. And he stuck through. And he actually supported his employee. As difficult as it was, as he actually supported and he encouraged and he did his best. And, and he started serving God. And now he can't stop talking about God. And as God is opening up doors for him as he's honoring what God has been telling him and showing him. And he had to go back to that very thing that he didn't like. But he endured it. And he encountered God, and he's seeing God's promises being fulfilled. And, I've, and I've, there's many of that, those testimonies. What is that for you this morning? What is that thing that Roland always says, if you're not hearing God, if you're not sensing God, if you feel you're, you're far away, what is the last thing that God told you to do? Go back and submit. Go and do that very thing that God told you to do. We all have plans for our lives. We have things that we want to accomplish. There's things that we want to do. There's goals that we want to reach. But listen to this. Our goals will never bring about God's results unless our plans are aligned with God, God's plans for us. We don't bring about the results of God's promises. God does that in and through us. I want you to listen closely. Our plans don't make our lives any better. It only makes it different. Because if we do things in our own strands, we make our own plans, it doesn't make it better. It only makes it different. I feel a bit guilty when I say it because I've got a lot of plans. How many of you have got plans? How many of you have got goals? How many of you have got things that you want to reach? 
But when I say to you this morning that the plans that you've got isn't going to make your life any better. It's only going to make it different. What goals are coming up to mind? Just think about it. And if God is not in that, go and process that. Go and think about it. Our plans do not make our lives any better, only different. So what is your idea of better? You have to look at where your life is now. Um, what things will make your life better? What does that look like for you? I've seen many people, and I've heard many testimonies of people that say, that say, once I reach this goal and I do this, my life will be so much better. People that don't know God. Sport people that reached and accomplished um, whatever they wanted to accomplish, became the best. And then when, it, when they reached it, it didn't fill the void. It only made their life different. Because the world and the culture around us hammering us to, you've got to set those goals, you've got to do this. In order to be happy, you've got to do X, Y, and Z. And when you reach those goals, you'll be happy. There's a void in us that God, God created that nothing and no one can fill except Jesus Christ. And if Jesus is not in your plans, it's going to make your life different. There's still going to be a void. Amen. All right, you guys are quiet this morning. Maybe I must make you repeat some words after me. Huh? What's that? Are you listening? Yeah, I'm going to make, I'm going to make you repeat some words. Our definition of better is sometimes calibrated to the things of the world. Because we, there's so much influence from the world. The world says, you've got to do this, you've got to do X, Y, and Z. What is your idea of better? Maybe a better marriage, to have awesome children, to have a great job, maybe to own a business, maybe to have a big house, big cars, all the perks. What is, what is your idea of better? For Sarah, Sarah, her idea of better was the gift of a child and not the blessing of God. Her idea of better was she loved the gift more than the giver. And I think sometimes it goes for a lot of us. Because the question is that if God takes away that gift... How will it influence my relationship with the giver? Have you thought about that? Is the gift more important than the giver? And so, if you can go, Paul, in the New Testament, he wrestles with this too. So if you can go to Philippians 3, from verses 4. And so Paul gives us great counsel here. Just take notes now. Oh, and... Uh, use your phones as well. Philippians 3 from verses 4. And so Paul, he tells them that, that he was the ultimate Jew. You can read there from, from verses 4. He says, he followed the law. He told them that in the matters of the law, he was blameless. He was a Pharisee. He did everything right. He pursued everything and withheld the law in the entirety from his youth. He was zealous for God under the law. In verses 5, circumcised on the eighth day 
of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was the uber Hebrew. He was the ultimate Hebrew in regards to the law. He followed the law from his youth. He was a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church, as for the legalistic righteousness, faithfulness. He says, I was doing these things under my own power. And I was great. He says he was great. He did it all perfectly. If anybody can boast in what they've accomplished under their own hands and under the law, Paul says, it's me. I am that guy. And then he goes into verse 7, and he says, But whatever was to my profit, I, can, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. You know, it's interesting. Paul here wasn't following wicked things. He was following being righteous. He was following being, he was pursuing a certain culture. He was pursuing it being really good at following the law and knowing it, it well. Becoming a good religious person. But he says, I count that as a lost. The only thing that matters, the only thing that matters is Christ Jesus. And he carries on. And he says, I consider them garbage. In some translations it says rubbish. What does it say here? Rubbish. It says, I consider it rubbish. That I may gain Christ and be found by him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. He says, I look back at life and I had plans and I had goals and I set them. And he attained all his goals. He, he, he got all his goals. And it says it turns, it's, it turns his stomach when he thinks about it. It makes him sick when he thinks about these plans that he made on his own and attained by his own. Because Christ was not in it. He says, when I think about my life, it makes me sick. It smells bad. I don't have a righteousness of my own. And if anybody can say they do, then it's me. But not even me. He says, I don't have a righteousness of my own from the law, but a righteousness of Christ through faith. Say through faith. Through faith in Christ. From God, based on faith. And then he goes on in verses 10. And he says, I want to know Christ. In other translations, says, my goal is to know Christ. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. So Paul still have goals. This is not about throwing your plans out of the window. This is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying these, the plans and the goals that you have, that you've got to put them aside. He's got goals. My goal is to know Jesus. To know his resurrection. That is what Paul is saying here. To know the suffering he has. To be conformed to his death. To be known by Christ. And to be known. And to know Christ. My hope is no longer in myself. But only in Jesus. And knowing him as the full pursuit of my life. Knowing Jesus. 
as the full pursuit of my life. Now this takes many directions and many shapes for each and every single one of us. God has created us each year this morning differently. And this can look different for each and every single one of us. But the call for you is to shape your life in the same way, knowing Christ. In verse 12, he says, Not that I have already obtained all of this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. So there's still effort. There is still goals in his life. The difference in Paul's life is that the definition is no longer the law, but it is Jesus. His definition for his goals and the pursuit of his life is Jesus. And he is able to do this, not because he has reached his goal, not because he's good enough, or he knows Jesus enough. Why? but because Jesus has taken a hold of him. My question to you this morning, have Jesus taken a hold of you, the decisions that you're making, the things that you're putting in place? What is the most important in your life? He didn't just say just to know Jesus, because it's easy to know Jesus and know about Jesus. The devil knows about Jesus. People can memorize the Bible and they can know Jesus. But do you know Jesus? And are you known by Jesus? Are you in pursuit of Jesus and the things that he has for you? And then it carries on. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Verses 15, all of, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together, say join together. In following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Say, do it together. Do it together. Come together. Paul says, imitate me because I'm doing the right things. Not because I'm doing the right things, but because I'm pursuing and being held together by the right person. And that person is Jesus Christ. And I want you guys to listen, listen to this. Now, Paul is addressing the church here. Verses 18, for as I've often told you before and now, I tell you again, even with tears, with tears he's saying this, many live as enemies of, of the cross of Christ. Their identity is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul's writing at the church, he's looking at the church and he's writing at the church and he says, there are those of us that are still living by our gut. Say gut. Stomach. The word stomach here in the Greek refers to gut. Still living by 
our gut. We are following what we crave. We are following the things that makes us proud. The things that we can achieve. And we chase all these things. The problem is when we pursue after them so much, it reveals who our God really is. The pride we have in the things of this world are going to be our shame and our end. And it makes Paul weep to say this to them. But he says, but our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we have eagerly awaited a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are watching the Olympics. We are keeping an eye on the Olympics. We've seen when the people run the 400 meter or the 200 meter, they all have got lanes. And so they're talking about a race here. And so sometimes we're on this race and pursuing Christ. And then there's these shiny things that takes our that takes our attention. And then we slide, go slight of course, we go into another lane. And we're pursuing and suddenly we're pursuing things. And it's taking our eye off of Jesus. And what are those things for you? If only I had that. For Sarah, was, it was only if, if I only had that baby, then God's promise would come to me. I hear a lot of people that, that don't have a relationship with Jesus. They say they're Christians, but they say, like, if, if only I had that, then I will be blessed by God. They, they want the gift more than the giver. You've heard people say that. You've heard people saying that if I, only, if I can only attain that, if I can only reach that. And, and Sarah thought she, she can get God's blessing through making her own plans. But it only wrecked her relationship. Because what she did caused trouble between her children and Hagar's children forever. And she was pursuing her things, her way, and not God's way. Hagar did not know where she was going, but she knew where she was coming from. She encountered God and followed his direction, and she was blessed for it. Paul, when he was on the road, encountered Jesus, and he followed him, and he was taken a hold of by Jesus when he did that and he had goals and he had a direction that he wanted to go there and remember that the direction that Paul went in in, who knows what happened with Paul he was beaten he was shipwrecked and he was killed in pursuing Christ Hagar had to go back into a situation that she didn't want to go back into. But she followed God's promise. And in that, God sees us. He knows our hearts. 
And God is in that. He's in the detail of our lives. So what am I saying? For some of us, it's going to be hard. In pursuing Christ, there's many people out there that's preaching, if you get saved, your life is going to be so much better. You're going to be blessed out of your socks. And you're going to have X, Y, and Z. And you're never going to struggle. We've heard that before. But for Hagar and for Paul, in their pursuit of Jesus and God's blessing, they went through hardships. But God is with us. Now, I don't know where you're coming from this morning. And I don't know where you're going. I've got an idea. But our idea should, in the way that we're going, is it aligning up with God's promises for us? Is Jesus the focus of our plans and our goals? And we don't always have a clear direction. But when God blesses us, we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. He puts us in family. He puts us in a church where there's leaders that we can go to, that we can be accountable to, that can help us, that can pray with us, that looks from an outside perspective. And that God uses, God uses leaders right throughout the Bible. And in that, through that, He gives you direction. I can tell you now, if I wasn't saved 14 years ago, I don't even want to know where I would have been today. I can tell you now I would have been divorced. I don't know what would have happened with my children. My direction would have been to... Ch- money was my God. That was the thing in my gut that I was chasing. And it would have led to my destruction. And then someone decided to be a blessing like Abraham. And they invited me to church. And God put me in a place where he gave me clear direction. Where my, chain, my, where my goals and my plans have changed. And where every day I want to look to Jesus in my pursuit of life and say, Jesus, Holy Spirit, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Do I have challenges? Yes. Do I have struggles? Yes. Do I go through difficulty? Yes. How many of you go through difficulty? Can I see some hands? How many of you have gone through a lot of difficulties and when you're through that, you could use that as a testimony and seeing other people saved, get saved, their marriages being influenced, their finances being influenced, and their relationship with God being influenced. So this morning, if the worship team can just come up for me again, I, I want us to end off with that song. Why don't we all stand? I want to I pray for, for us this morning. Father, we stand here this morning. We've heard this word, Lord. Maybe there's someone here this morning that... You know where you're coming from. (laughs) You 
and you don't like what you're coming, what you, from where you came from. And you also don't know where you're going. You're just going along. And you've never encountered Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've never ex- ex- accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He says, Jesus, I want you to lead my life. If there's anybody here this morning, before we leave, I want to give you the opportunity to respond to the call to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. You've heard the message this morning. With our eyes closed and our heads bowed down, is there anybody here this morning that says, Jesus, I want to accept you as my Lord and Savior? Okay. Father, this morning we are standing here. Maybe some of us are in the desert. We've decided to go, but we've got no idea where we're going. We're just going. Maybe we don't even have plans or goals. We've been affected so much by what is happening currently. And maybe this morning, Lord, you're coming and you're asking us, where are you coming from and where are you going to? So maybe this morning God is calling you back. So come back to me. I want you to submit to me. And so if that is you this morning, I want to pray with you. Father, I pray, Lord, that as if there's a person here this morning that's in the desert and they're in that place, Lord, that you will lead them back to you, Father, Lord, that you will give them direction that they will start to focus their lives on your promises. Your, your word is full of promises. And those promises are for us, Lord. Those promises are for us, Lord. And if we take a hold of Jesus, if we pursue Jesus, this morning I want to say to you, if you pursue Jesus, things will change for you. Because what will be better is even if you go through hardships, what will be the best thing that will ever happen to your life is I know where you will be going and where you will end up. You will end up with God for eternity. And that is the best thing that could ever happen to anybody. And Jesus paid the ultimate price for that so that you can come and do that. So, Father, I pray that this morning for that person, Lord. Maybe for some of us here this morning, maybe just if you want to just raise your hands, if, if you have made plans, if you have set goals, and you've said, I want to do this, I want to maybe go here, I want to move there, I want to get out of this country, whatever that is for you, and God has spoken to you in the morning and He's not in that plans. If there's anybody here this morning, if you just want to raise your hand, I want to pray, I want to pray with you. If you've made plans and God is not in those plans, if there's anybody here this morning. Okay, Father, I want to pray, Lord, that if we made any plans that you are not a part of, that that will change at this very moment. That we will pursue you 
in everything that we do, as we set our goals, as we set targets, as we set things that we want to achieve, Lord, that you will be our guidance, that you will lead us, that you will be our source and our provider, and that we will pursue you first and foremost in everything that we do. Because everything that we do on our own won't make our life better. It will only make it different. But we want to spend eternity with you and glorify you forever and forever. And so we're going to go into that song now. There's the words that says, Whatever may pass and whatever lies before you, And I want you now, through that song, to honor God. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to us as we sing this song. So let's end off with that.